right, welcome back to the USL show. Uh, you guys haven't seen me in a minute. It's been a while, and I'm in a bit of a different surrounding. No, I'm no longer in the hotel lobby. Shut up, Harry. Um, he's not even here yet, but he's going to watch this back and be like, well, I didn't deserve that, but it's fine. Um, yeah, so we're back, and this is, has been quite the week across basically every single league. The championship is crazy. Hartford just beat Colorado Springs 2-0 because, of course, they did. Uh, League 1 is going absolute nut job because, of course, they are. League 2 and W League are going insane. And the streets of Twitter are absolutely on fire because some people have and some people haven't made comments about what happened last week. And there are firecrackers going on behind me. That's awesome. Um and then there's some teams that made comments that they maybe they shouldn't have. And we can talk about that in a second. Um, do you guys – let's just go ahead and start opening up with what's going on, guys. John, you don't have a face, but you sure do have a voice. How you doing, my man? Yeah, doing well. Better than the state of my Wi-Fi connection at the moment. But uh, excited to get down to it tonight. Alan, how about you, my man? Uh, things are all right. Uh, it's a little warm, and we don't have air conditioner in our house, so we have like ACs set up everywhere. Uh, so if you hear any background noise, that's one of my ACs working very hard. It's like San Diego warm, so I get it. It's not like hot. It's just warm and no AC. Uh, but I'm looking forward to talking about this week. Uh, uh, I think another exciting week coming up with lots of shenanigans to get into. So uh, it's an, it's another week, and you know I think this week has been. Uh, Politically, uh, a hot mess, uh, but the, the play on the pitch has been um, probably described as electric. <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about background noise. I just have firecrackers and barking going on behind me. So I'm sure the people listening back to this on podcast form are going to have a great time. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, the... The games in the championship were surprisingly uncompetitive, except for one or two matches. And then League One decided to go complete nut job and be completely close. Meanwhile, I don't think there was a single draw in this entire League One uh, entire weeks. I don't know. It's it's just wild. Um, it's not a greenhouse. It's someone's porch. Thank you very much. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, this was a really, really fun week. Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. Um, this is going to be an interesting day. <laughs> um, but I just kind of want to go ahead and start off the conversation, the show, to talk about kind of the week it was. I know we don't want to do a lot of politics. I get that. But there's been a lot of conversation about statements, not making statements, who – you know, what's a good statement, what's a bad statement. And there's been a lot of conversation around that. And I don't know if either one of you two want to have any comments you want to say about that, but if you do, go ahead and drop them in. Uh, I think one of the best things I saw online was, um, I don't remember where I was trying to find it, where it was. It was someone who had taken a screenshot of somebody's thread uh, and it was a NWSL goalkeeper. Um, and I thought they had a, a pretty 
impactful point of when you talk about sports not being political, these political decisions have effect on all of our lives. Uh, and in this case, uh, on on soccer players who um, can get pregnant and that affects where they sign, where they get traded to also has an impact on that as well. Uh, and I thought it was the most um, well put argument for why politics and sports are intertwined um, and how decision political decisions do have a real effect on what we consider just like anti-political sports. Uh, but these people make decisions and it affects the people that we cheer for uh, on the pitch. As far as teams making statements, um, they're, they're hard sometimes, right? To find that balance. You think you're, you're doing something well and then someone comes along and it's like, it isn't right. Um, I would just encourage the same thing with, um, I forget what we talked about, but like each individual fan base really uh, determining if their club did enough. Um, it's not really for me to come after any one particular team that I feel is not doing right by their fan base. I think that's up to the fan base. And then it's up to to folks like us to amplify those messages when they need to be amplified. Um, you know, I have my own opinions about the club in San Diego um, on a multitude of issues. And uh, those concerns have been uh, addressed uh, with those people who make those decisions. Uh, but in this case, I think they, you know, when it comes down to your club, I think it's determined your fan base. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to, uh, personally, Birmingham speaking, uh, you know, Birmingham didn't release an official statement, but, I mean, our players have been allowed and always have been allowed to speak freely on whatever they want. They can they can post whatever political opinions they have. They can they can come out with whatever charities they want to attend. They've been very free in doing so. And so for me, I feel like our players are doing so much for the community that maybe necessarily Legion doesn't have to come out with a statement. That but there's a lot of uh, Legion fans who don't feel that way. They feel like that they want to hear something for their from their club and not just the players on the pitch. It just kind of depends. I also think it depends on how in touch you are with the social media world. How much, uh, you know, just how much impact you think a club versus players should have. It's really the personality versus corporate, I guess. John, it looked like you had something you wanted to say. I, since I can't see you, I'm just relying on your uh, your muted symbol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about what Indy put out, which I think was the consummate example of what the wrong statement to make is where if you're a club and you say something that starts with basically, well, we have a women's team, so we defend women's rights. That's not why you should be making a statement you care about this cause because it's the right thing to do. And it's the moral stand that you agree with not because you feel forced to do it because you have a women's team. It was just such a weak way for the club to respond. And I know that indie fans have been enraged at the lack of response and the delay that it took to get to that point. And then they were flabbergasted at the fact that it was such a weak comment. So it's sort of a cautionary tale where if you're a team that for whatever reason doesn't want to say anything about it, 
maybe that's better than coming out with something that just is so blatantly lip service to the whole idea of change. That's the whole like, you know, I'm mad about this because I have a daughter. It's like, you should be mad about this because you're a human, like having a daughter, like it, it feels a little bit cheapened, right? It feels like right. I'm only making this statement because we happen to have a W team. So you wouldn't be saying this if you didn't like, or we have only interacted with female soccer players. Now that we have a W, it just felt like give it to your W team and have them edit it and then give it back to you. And I think that was, it's just like making sure that people who, are in are involved in the message or the message about like have somebody who is a one of those people if that makes sense now yeah. i'm getting into the in the 11 realm uh but i think it's like bringing some people in and getting some eyes on it in a way that like does this look okay and then tell you no or at least have a, the environment where folks like that have the ability to say this isn't right and maybe they and maybe that speaks to maybe they don't have that there or they don't they didn't ask Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's <laughs> the way I kind of view it, and Indy kind of proves the point, and I, unless, you know, John, or you have any last thoughts on it, is if you're going to wait to put out a statement, it better be a dang good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I think that's what was so bad. They clearly caved in from public pressure because we made the, we made the post about, you know, hey, you know, we, we noticed teams that, haven't done this yet and they were completely they were probably the most mentioned team outside of made to be phoenix just to be blatantly honest and they caved into the pressure and then it was just so bad <laughs> i mean it, it shouldn't make me laugh because it was honestly infuriating and disgusting to be honest and that's just my personal opinion but it was so bad it was comical it's like they do do they not have an HR team at all? Not a single one. No one who proofreads things. I mean, I listen, I get it. If you've seen the grades I make on papers that I've turned in, I don't proofread things either. But I can do a little bit better than that. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on. I do want to have a little bit of W League talk and a little bit of League Two talk. Then League Two and W League. More so, and this part of this is kind of hard because there's so many divisions, right? Because there's so many, well, I guess especially for League 2, but there's not a lot of, there's there's so many teams that they have a lot of divisions, but their gap is so wide. You have your top three teams that are really duking it out and your bottom teams that are just horrible, right? And for us as fans, because... For me, I don't have any real investment in a, in a W League team or in a League 2 team. I just appreciate watching matches that I can that are streamed, you know, if I can find those. If I see that a game is going against, this is a top-of-the-table team going against the bottom-of-the-table team, none of these divisions have been close enough for me to even be like, yeah, I'll watch this and watch it be a 7-0 drubbing. I mean, I've watched a lot of Bria matches ever since going out to those away days. Uh, episode hashtag ad um and i if i see that they're not going against someone in the top of their table i just don't watch because it's another five no win i mean is obviously it's hard to monitor and control those kind of things but is there anything we can do about that kind of level of competition is this why uh 
you know, inadvertent pro roll conversation? What what do we do here? I think it's tough when you're at the W League and League Two level where it is much more of a semi-professional amateur sort of level. And that means that you're going to get more disparity where a team like Indy that has really done a good job of recruiting high level college players, people with a little bit of uh, professional experience and they're winning the uh, division by five points with the game in hand right now, you're seeing something similar with Minnesota up, up North. The teams that have the resources and put in a little bit more versus someone like King's hammer, like, if I ask, gave you five guesses, I don't think either of you could tell me a single thing about King's Hammer, which is like nothing against them. And they put out a really competitive and fun to watch squad when I've seen them play, but it's just a different level of resources where you have a little bit more consistency with the standards at something like the championship. They're in Cincinnati. I, I know that one. Thank you. Um, for, for the League Two team, actually, the only thing I know is that their League Two team is coached by former Cincinnati player uh was it Paul Nicholson or yeah uh, he played with them in like 2016 that's that one's just off the top of the noggin but no I mean to your point yeah I mean it's hard I mean if you look at the W League and you look down into that southeast division basically all the Florida teams you have uh, FC Miami City and Tampa Bay United who by the way are playing this weekend or are coming up in a couple days uh, basically to decide the table. They both have 22 points. The next closest team to them is Miami Athletic Club, and they have nine. It, I, it's, that's, I, I get it. It's the semi-pro. It depends on how much I mean, your training facilities, your you know how much pool you have. Can you pull those people back? It's just the, the top of the table battles are incredible. Some of the matches that we're seeing at the top of these tables are, have been awesome. But the ones that from top uh, top against bottom, it is, it's rough. I thought King's Hammer was like a 1970s hairband. I mean, if you told me, I, I don't doubt it. I, I'm not going to fact check you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I don't know. Do, do either of y'all have uh, anything? Listen, San Antonio, listen. At this point, I am going to purposely ignore San Antonio. John gives them way too much love. That gets ignored. Dang it. Screw you, Tanner and Far, for just liking the tweet or whatever. I don't care. Like, San Antonio is really good this year. I, you kind of have to feel for uh, Colorado Springs to not walk away with a draw there. N neither team was exactly better than the other, in my opinion. It's just a really unfortunate own goal, and that leads to dropping all three points. But I don't know how you guys felt about the match. John? Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead on that one. Um, I mean, it was a really exciting game. I think San Antonio adjusted really well as it went on, which is sort of the theme with them. It's not surprising at this point when you see, when you look at the XG or something like that and see that they're trailing, because that's sort of innate to the way that they play the game. They're so good at absorbing pressure through players like Tanner and Farr 
and then just hitting you once on the counter because they have that lethality in the way they attack where Justin Dillon is so dynamic, but now they've got four or five strikers. When you think about getting Patino healthy, bringing in a dinner on the depth that they have, the way that they execute that game plan is just so effective week in and week out. I think my favorite thing with San Antonio right now is a lot of the, the folks of like, well, possession matters and you know, those stats matter. It's showing like possession is more of a descriptor stat of style of play. And San Antonio is showing that there is more than one way to play soccer and be successful. Uh, I think we saw this a little bit with Orange County, right? Uh, there's a very famous quote from uh, that I got Landon Donovan to, to give me uh, after Orange County. It's like, we don't want to play that way. We don't want to play like we're the road team at home. And he got a lot of crap for it. Uh, and I asked Nate Miller about it over the summer or in the off season. Basically said, like, I don't necessarily agree, but I think it's really fun that there are teams in this league that approach the game differently and do it really well because – we saw this with El Paso and Detroit City as well, is there are distinctly different styles of play that are really fun to watch when these two when two different teams approach it differently but do it really well. Uh, it's, a, it's a different type of entertaining game, right? It's, it's not going to be a 4-3, a a, you know, a 5-2. It's going to be a 1-0. It's going to come down to an own goal or a spectacular goal because both teams are – you know, their strengths playing to the other team's strengths and you see them playing both playing well. And then you feel bad for the team that doesn't get a, get points out of it because they played well enough to get something out of it. It's just the other team played their way better. And I could understand where John's coming from. Like tactically is some of these games are really fun to watch just different philosophies go toe to toe where, you know, maybe a, a neutral finds some of these games to be slightly boring. Um, San Antonio is fun to watch in a completely different way than like a loose city is fun to watch or the way San Diego played in the 11. It's just a completely different way to approach the game. And when you have these different philosophies, it's really fun to, to dig into what makes each of them work. And then you can decide like me personally, I like this style of, of footy, but I can respect uh, teams that play it differently and play it well. Uh, and I think this was one that really highlighted two really good teams playing two different approaches to the footy. And it's great. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think that's really well. So, I mean, San Antonio to me is clearly the best team in the USL right now. I don't think many people are really going to argue with me, especially since Colorado Springs just went and dropped all three points to Hartford. Um, I think, I think it's just one of those things that, you had two different, two completely different styles of play, and seeing the tactical chess match between these two teams has been really, really cool. The, you know, the counterattack style of, of uh, San Antonio was really fun to watch against a team that loves to press in the Colorado Springs. It feels like they should cancel each other out entirely, and other than an own goal, they did. And just as a fan who likes to watching those chess pieces unfold, it was really, really entertaining. I mean, that's the kind of match that I wish got on ESPN personally. I mean, Lucy Hartford, I understand, you know, I mean, let's be honest here. Hartford got on there because it's right beside the, the ESPN headquarters. Hartford is less than 
like a 30 minute drive from the ESPN headquarters. It makes it easy for them to go there. But I mean, even then, it, could you imagine if that was the match that gets on ESPN? I think that's a really fun one to watch, which by the way, um, that match only pulled, I think it was 50,000 less than the El Paso versus Detroit city, which all things considered with Hartford being very low in the table, I consider that still to be a really good draw. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think the concern over two games worth of draws on ESPN is kind of overstated. Like, with the way that those Nielsen ratings work, that's basically a rounding error at 50,000. I mean, I'm sure that Detroit brought a, fa- a passion to the audience and ditto for El Paso, who's a very well-supported side. But these are both good results that beat various MLS games on other networks. And you make the good point that Hartford isn't the best supported and they probably were only there because they're so close to Bristol. But I think no matter what, there's it's still a good platform for the league, and they put out a good performance. Their crowd looked nice in that stadium. It was a good venue, and it was a decent match. So I think it was something for the league to hang their hat on. Robert, a little bit of a correction. Colorado Springs scored one. You didn't score any against Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs scored against Colorado Springs. So, so I, I was talking about this with uh, – with some of the San Diego staff today, I went to, to training, um, and I I'm going to make the pitch that soccer should treat goals and assists a little bit more like hockey. Like the fact that you put a beautiful cross in and a defender gets a toe poke on it, which probably saves a goal but creates an own goal. Like that should go to the guy. Either the guy should get an assist for the cross for the own goal, or it should just revert to him getting the goal because he's the one that created it. And I will I will love happily die on this hill because I think that there are players who their st- stats kind of get hurt because uh, own goals, first of all, are kind of rude to the defender, right? <laughs> they're kind of they're, they're kind of mean, especially in in uh, in Spanish, it's like auto goal. It's like even it's like even ruder, I think, to the player. Uh, but I, I think, you know, in those situations, a lot of the time that's the offense putting the defender in a bad situation where if the defender doesn't put it into the back of the net, someone's there to probably capitalize on it. Um, yeah. The Italians were great at, at low scoring matches um, for sure. Uh, and I think someone said like every goal comes from a mistake. Like there's a mistake that leads to every single goal. Uh, and so I can, I can agree uh, Dylan with your, your synopsis there that, uh, it's the perfect game because the teams match each other. And you're right. Colorado Springs, San Antonio felt like two teams going toe to toe. And but that's like a little my little aside on own goals. I think it should be like hockey. The last uh, offensive player to touch gets credit for the goal. We can get rid of own goals, and then people can have some statistics for actually putting together some pretty offensive neatoness. While we're at it, please bring in the hockey assist. MLS has started tracking it and. I mean, I'll stand by it. John, I think you highlighted it pretty well when you did the Legion versus uh, New Mexico breakdown. The pass by Haravo to Juan Aguidelo that went to Enzo, I mean, that was such a good ball by Zach Haravo that got to one that, I mean, 
one made a good play at possessing the ball and then passing it. But I mean, without without the pass by Zach Haravo there, that goal never happens. No, that's exactly right. And I mean, I'm in complete agreement with both of you that just looking at the assist or just crediting the own goal to a defender doesn't give you the whole story whatsoever. But to a sort of pivot things, uh, Kaylor, that Birmingham result in New Mexico was really impressive. And I think even more so, given what we've seen with a lot of these interconference games where there's such an edge for the home team. I mean, we've talked a bit about the Hartford Colorado Springs game, every other East team that went out West lost over the weekend and Birmingham looked insanely good in pretty much every facet of that game. And it was also the, uh, it was the biggest crowd in the USL so far this year which made it more impressive to me. To me, I mean, I was impressed with how the boys played. I was really, I was more impressed, I think, with the tactics from Tom Tommy Stone, which I haven't said a lot, and I'm going to give him his flowers because he absolutely deserves it. But the way that we set up completely nullified the way that New Mexico played. They decide to play very narrow, and in the defensive system that we're playing with, that essentially plays with four center backs and can drop six people deep at once. Whenever you're playing with essentially what basically is a four center back system, you can't go attack them narrow. The one real chance they had all year long came from a poor clearance that fell to Weehan, who Matt Van Oakle made a brilliant save, but it it felt like Tommy Stone came in with the perfect, um, you know, he came in with the perfect system there. And then New Mexico just never adjusted, which was really more concerning if I'm a New Mexico fan than exciting if I'm a Legion fan, if I'm being just brutally honest. But yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, just real quick on that, uh, Kaler, or uh, geez, you are Kaler. Phil has been harping so much on the fact that New Mexico is something of a paper tiger where their advanced stats don't really suggest that they're any good. I think that his take is a little strong, but if they keep kind of going down this route tactically, if they repeat performances like that Birmingham game, maybe that'll get fleshed out a bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think San Diego took a little bit of, uh, of uh, what are those called? He came out pretty heavily saying uh, San Diego isn't serious, and then they hung five on Indy 11. Uh, so I think that had a lot to do with – I, I want to thank Phil for spurring the San Diego team on with his – they aren't as serious after the Las Vegas loss at home. Uh, but, yeah, there was – there was quite a few, like, I didn't get a chance to watch a ton this weekend because we were uh, getting ready for that loyal home game. I left a little bit early because uh, they were doing the, the first tailgate of the year. So I wanted to get there a little bit early and spend some time with, you know, fans I haven't seen in a minute. Uh, but there were quite a few, like, pretty interesting, like, the, the start to the Pittsburgh game. I'm like, yes, like, they've never really won in Pittsburgh I'm going to be smart for picking this. They go up early, and then I looked later. I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. So I think there's a lot of just wildness this weekend, you know, like L.A. versus Miami, which was an interesting scoreline. Uh, Sacramento, you know, maybe a little bit hungover from the cup. 
having a little bit of a tough time with Monterey Bay. Um, Indy 11, I thought, had a, a little bit of a tough time. I think 5-0 is a little bit unfair to them, maybe a little bit unfair. Um, but they, they were having a tough time. And then, you know, obviously out in, in, in Vegas with the Vegas-Phoenix uh, shenanigans, I think there was just some pretty wild and crazy things that happened this weekend. And other than a few of those games, I mean, you kind of mentioned them, the Phoenix match, the Sacramento match, and the uh, Tulsa-Charleston match, there weren't any close matches exactly. I mean, everything was decided by two goals or more. And meanwhile, on the other hand, in League One, there was only two matches scored uh, decided by more than one goal, and they were blowouts because, of course, they were. Out of all the matches that we kind of go back to the ESPN thing. Um, also, I, if you're not following League One Twitter, Odd G's is one of my favorite memes going around right now. It's my favorite. Um, but speaking of stuff going on with ESPN, what I would have given to see the Richmond versus Ford Madison match on ESPN, that was an incredible match. It's always a great match. Yeah. USL could really highlight that rivalry, uh, the Henny Derby. They could really do a lot there with that. And like I said, it was an incredible match on was a Thursday night pulling over 3,500 people. There's a lot of teams in the championship that don't do that. And it was absolutely buzzing, not electric, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, in that one, you got the two, the uh, assistant goal late from Cassini. Like, what a great ending there. Uh, then for Forward Madison to come out on Sunday and do whatever that was against Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, what, 6-2 scoreline in the end? Just an insane game. Charlotte looked good offensively, but that was about <laughs> as much of a, like, laying an egg as you can possibly get from Madison. And Especially... Especially after they played really, really well in the Henny Derby. Like they played really well and then they go out and they're like, Oh, we put it all on the pitch for that one. We're gonna we're gonna take a little time out for this one. It, it's funny. The the match that they played where they win six to two against Ford Madison, Charlotte still did not recover their goal difference from their Braziling that they happened just earlier that week. Braziling. I mean <laughs> They there's on the week they are still negative two in gold differential. What a stupid leak. <laughs> yeah, that's what's wild about New Mexico. You look at their gold, they're like goal scored, and you're like, all right, that's pretty pretty decent. And then you remember that they hung seven up and you're like, Oh, that's not as good. Yeah, I I don't know. And League One has just been I mean, it's nuts. I you guys can't see it if you're obviously watching or listening to this, but Alan in our little show notes, it says it's a parody league, not a parody league. And there is, it's so close. All these matches are so close. The table is so close, except for Tucson, um, which even Tucson recently got a result. And at, at this point, we kind of talked about it earlier. I don't remember if it was pre-show or during the show, but just the fact of how hard traveling it is, I mean, got teams like Charlotte and Richmond don't win away from home. They can only win at home. That's all they can do. And it's kind of become a meme in League One circles, but it's also very true. 
and we're, I guess you can kind of see how hard that travel really is. I mean, teams like Richmond that I said from the beginning of the year will be really challenging for a title. Well, everybody, except for Tucson, is challenging for the title this year. Everybody. Yeah, nine points from first to last, which is wild. That's wild. And it's, I mean, you can even make it smaller and say first to seventh is three points. It's like, this is what makes predicting League One uh, like almost impossible because like you pick the home team most of the time, but even then, like you can have a stinker at home and then all of a sudden, like a team that probably shouldn't win is is winning. And I think it makes these games really fun to watch because there is that element of unpredictability, uh, which, you know, as fans of some European leagues, like you don't get that all the time. So to have a, a, a league where there's 11 teams where almost every week any team can literally, like, it's not even like one of every team can beat every team. It's like legitimately true in League One, which makes these games really fun to watch because there is that unpredictability. It's it's almost like watching like early FA Cup type of deals where it's like really intimate stadiums with really fun fans, uh, people watching from their backyards because some of the stadiums are in neighborhoods and just absolute chaos on the pitch and it's fun and it's like it's quality soccer it's not like they're like sunday league you're watching some some pretty fantastic either young or guys kind of on the, the tail end of it. it's like urban Parra's scoring goals like it, it's really fun and i i i think a lot of people are reluctant to get into league one because it feels like it's well it's like third division man but if you're in, if you want some chaos on on a saturday afternoon like Go check out League One. I mean, I know we kind of – okay, I trashed a little bit on the lower parts of League Two earlier. But if you look at the top of League Two as well, there is some quality teams out there. I mean, you'd be remiss not mentioned Des Moines Menace. They are ridiculously good. Uh, Asheville and uh, Knoxville have had a wonderful rivalry this year. Both teams are really good. Yeah, it's fourth division soccer, whatever. There are some really good teams with some really good players. One of my favorite things that like Nicholas Murray does is every single time that we get, you know, a US men's national team or whatever, it's oh, this part this person played in, in USL League Two, this person played in League Two, this person played in League Two, this person was a League One. And it was really, really fun to watch them when they're younger there's a lot of guys i remember actually watching uh now tampa bay center back um uh thomas van kazeel i remember watching him back when he was in the pdl which is now uh usl league two and i saw him play uh with pittsburgh and i was like wait a minute i know that guy and so you can get a lot of fun out of watching these lower league side especially league one where Everybody hates winning, but also loves to win. It, it doesn't. I don't get it. <laughs> but I, I do. We have. We usually do surprises and told you so's. I do have a question for you guys. So, do you guys have any like pressing I told you so's or surprises that you really want to get off your chest and discuss? Um, I'm mad that John didn't include multiple San Diego loyal players besides just Vassal and Guido on his uh, 11. Uh, just to add on to the, the hate he's getting on. No, uh, 
I, I just want to point that that one out. John, you're killing it with content right now. Like yeah. legitimately killing it with content. Yes. Um, but I just want to, my, my, the surprise for me with San Diego is uh, the transition from Tumi Moshabani from being kind of the focal point goal yeah. scorer to uh, one of the best distributors and assists uh, in the league. And this is why I kind of harped on this own goal. Uh, he put a brilliant kind of low cross in uh, and it was a toe poke. Kyle Vassell would have scored it and he would have gotten another, he would have gotten his hat trick and uh, Tumi would have tied for league lead and assists. Uh, but I just want to sh- kind of shout out like Tumi Moshobane. If you're not watching him play, like he is to me, one of the, the more exciting players to watch on San Diego. I know Nick Moon gets a lot of love and Ogito and Vassell are like really flashing and good players. Uh, but the way that Tumi Moshobane has been kind of uh, finding himself in a role that's, different than he was in last year it, it is really fun to watch um and so that was kind of my surprise from this weekend when i looked up and i was like oh dang he's chance creation assists which is not what he was doing per se last year but john great job on the yes. on the league starting 11 and you're just killing it with content man i'll be yeah. honest i really don't disagree with any of your 11 i thought you absolutely nailed it yeah, I just, I mean, I tried to spread the love a little bit with teams, like get relatively even between conferences. So I ended up pretty happy with it. Like, obviously, there are a couple snubs, but that's just the game of it. So, I mean, clearly, you didn't include this person and that person. You clearly hate this one team. That's all it is. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, no, you, you nailed it. And yeah, a lot of your stuff that's, I mean, Every single time I get a back healed update, it's been awesome. It's really cool to see your stuff hitting my mailbox, which is, I mean, that, that's a fun, that's a fun thing to see, seeing how far you've grown. I guess my biggest surprise is that you sleep. Eh, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, John, do you have any I told you so's or surprises from the week that was? Uh, I guess I should put in a quick word since we haven't mentioned it about the way that Tampa just completely disassembled Pittsburgh on the road at Pittsburgh. The, Tampa has been really flexible with what they're doing tactically, where shape-wise they almost played a back four, which is something you never see out of them. Uh, Sebastian Dalgard sort of was this like hybrid wingback winger position which really let him address Alex Dixon, who's been the main creative source for the Riverhounds this year. I, that set them off in transition where Lacava and Leo Fernandez are just unbelievably good. They're rolling on a whole lot of levels, but at the same time, Pittsburgh just can't figure it out at this point. They've not won in a couple of weeks, really impotent offensively, and they're not playing Dane Kelly. They're struggling to integrate Russell Cicerone. It's a little bit weird right now for the Riverhounds, and I'm curious to see how they turn it around. Because, I mean, we talked about New Mexico being kind of unsung by the advanced stats. Pittsburgh, if you look at XG, is one of the best sides in the USL. So a weird dynamic there. Pittsburgh is weird. I mean, Bob Lilly has built up so much trust and rapport with everybody. I would be... I'm I'm willing to put a lot of money down that he would have to have a full year of this that before the conversation even comes up is even muttered of him getting the sack, right? But I've never seen a Bob Lee team play like this. 
it's bizarre. It is really bizarre. And, I mean, full credit to Tampa. I mean, anytime I can bang the Jake LaCava, you know, drum, I'm going to do it. But I, I don't know. I, I really can't tell if Pittsburgh is bad or if, you know, Tampa Bay is good. And maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe one's just buzzing and one's just finding their footing again. I don't know. But we've I've never seen the Pittsburgh team play like this. It's bizarre. Yeah, what's wild is before that loss, Pittsburgh was the best home team in the East for points per game. And even now, with that loss, they're still second tied with Blue City. And so I, I think there's – it's one of those, like, they're just in a funk, uh, and hopefully they figure it out. Now, their road their, their road points per game are not not great, less than a point. Uh, but that's why I was I was – I picked Pittsburgh at home because they were just doing so well at home and the history with Tampa Bay. But the way that Tampa Bay went in there, which is like, wow, something is not right in Pittsburgh. But again, if there's one, you know, there's probably like a handful of coaches in USL. You were like, oh, they're going to figure it out. He's probably one of those ones that you, you would bet on to figure it out. Um, and this boils down to like, it's a long year and you're going to go through lulls. Now is probably the better time to go through your lull than like into the playoffs. Uh, so um, I'm hoping for Pittsburgh's sake that they they figure it out because they're always a, a, an interesting. It's a, again one of those. I don't necessarily like the style of soccer they play, but they do it really well um, with Lily Ball. Um, but you know he's been there for a really long time, and sometimes it's an argument with Rick Schantz and Phoenix is, you know. Is, is there enough turnover there that his message is still being received? And then is this just kind of a, a lull in form and then they'll they'll figure it out? But, you know, if Bob Lilly has definitely earned the opportunity to, to try to right this ship. Yeah, and kind of going off of picking people at home, that's the entire – and then I guess my, I told you so. I wasn't on the pod to say it. But I was very certain that Memphis was going to beat Detroit City. I think I was the only one to predict that. I, For me, it came down to a couple reasons. I really believe in what Memphis is doing, and that hurt me a lot to say. Um, <laughs> I they, They're building something there that I believe that really counters what Detroit City does because their coach is Detroit City. You know what I mean? Like, he... The, the way that Detroit City plays, this is kind of how they've always played. Ben Pierman knows what they're going to do. Going against and coming to your home turf, which that's the main reason I picked Memphis here. As far as I know, this is the first time that Detroit City has ever had to play on a baseball field. And that is jarring. And you could tell watching that match that the players could not figure out the width. They could not figure out the length. Obviously, a lot of the fans were not happy with watching matches on a baseball field. We all agree. We, I don't think anybody enjoys watching stuff on a baseball field, not even teams that play on baseball fields. They all hate it. But it is a quirk of this league that you do, unfortunately, have to figure out. And I felt like that was going to be something that Memphis was going to have the uh, advantage on. And Memphis played really, really well and just dismantled Detroit City. But uh, the thing I kind of wanted to ask, and I know we're, we're going to have to fly through predictions, but because of today's result, um, 
I do want to bring it up because it's it, it happens every year, and now the conversation is starting to get fun. East versus West. I mean, West. well, yeah, I mean, um, I so I got into a little bit of discourse with uh, Jalen Robinson from Loudon on Twitter about this, and he was basically kind of making the argument that okay, sure, this was a tough weekend for the Eastern teams, but this is still uh, anyone can beat anyone league. I tend to agree with that while also recognizing that <clears throat> the teams at the bottom of the West just are stronger than their equivalents in the East. And I would also say that maybe the two best teams in the league are in the West. So it's sort of this weird thing where the West is very, very deep. I think the top, if you take like the playoff field in the East, it's every bit as good as that in the West. But it's just the bottom of these leagues where you've got so many MLS2 teams where Hartford and Charleston are a mess in the East, where that's the differentiator for me. I think that's been the story with USL, like in the before times, before COVID, where, you know, you still had conferences. Um, you would you would say that the East probably had like the top two or three from the East were probably as a collective better than, than the West, but the West was just deeper. Uh, and I think this, this season has really kind of shown uh, a little bit of even a bigger gap between that, right? Your bottom three, bottom four teams in the West are RGV Phoenix, Orange County and Monterey Bay. Your bottom four in the East are Loudoun, Atlanta two, Charleston battery and Red Bulls. And I think I did the math. It was something like the bottom three teams in the West have the same amount of points. I think one less point than the bottom five. Now that Hartford has three more, so that makes it four. But I think if you're looking at kind of the strength of the, the leagues or the conferences, the West is like top to bottom, just a deeper league or deeper conference um, versus the East. Uh, but that's not to say that the East doesn't have, you know, two, three really, really, really good teams. Um, but this has kind of been the story for, for, for a while in USL where the, the West seems to be a deeper conference and the East seems to be top heavy and bottom light. Yeah, I'm, I think that's kind of where I'm landing. I mean, I said earlier, San Antonio to me is far, far none, the best team in the USL. And... I think that, well, I don't know if this car is going to be coming by here, so sorry if it gets loud. Um, but I think San Antonio is usually the best team. Colorado Springs, I'm confused by, and not even just for today's result. I've been confused by them a little bit. And I think my biggest confusion is is that I still haven't figured out this West. I, I was so sure that Phoenix was going to be flying high as a top four team and they're not, you know, I was, I was pretty confident coming into this year thinking that New Mexico was going to be in the top two spot and they're not far off, but I thought that's where they were going to be. I, I don't know. It, it feels like everything I thought about the West is kind of wrong, but everything I thought about the East is right so far, barring uh, Charleston, which, bless their hearts um you know it just feels like the west is so competitive that i still haven't gotten a grasp on it which is why i feel like maybe it's not as good if that makes sense but 
I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a debate that we're going to have all year long until a champion is decided, and even then, who knows? Because it's like, well, the West had to go out East, so that or in the or the East had to go out West, blah blah blah, whatever. You know, it's going to be something that we're going to debate all year long, and I don't know. It to me, it's just a lot of fun to see how good the teams are now, considering the fact that probably a fourth, uh, a four, a team in fourth, and now could probably be a former champion is awesome the growth of this league is incredible to watch but unless you guys have any parting thoughts with that let's burn through some predictions love it all right so first up we speaking of the east being an absolute bloodbath uh the battery versus tonighted we'll start off with yeah that. or okay. john uh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah alan go for it <laughs> Uh, I would like to go first because I think I copied pretty much whatever John said. No, um, this was a tough one, but I went with Battery. Yeah, I locked Battery, actually. They beat Pittsburgh handily a few weeks back, got the draw in Tampa. It was ugly against Tulsa, but Tulsa's kind of got that new coach bounce. So I'm feeling good about them, and Tonight is terrible. Tonight is bad. They're really bad. And now that Atlanta United has a record amount of injuries, their two team is being just poached from even more than normal. So it's it's bad. Uh, I'd take the battery here as well. Next up, we have Switchbacks versus John Sacramento. Uh, I went with the draw here, and I feel even better about it after the result from Hartford. Um, I, I think this is going to be a, a pretty a, – a, pretty interesting matchup um I, I think sacramento has something in them i think colorado has something in them so i'm gonna go to draw i do want to mention i also locked battery because i did not like any of the other picks for a lock yeah, this is a hard slate honestly i, I went and draw here as well that i really believe in what sacramento does defensively i think this is probably gonna end up like a zero zero one one kind of game I went switchbacks, and weirdly enough, after tonight's result, I feel better about that. Considering the <laughs> fact that they started seven, you know, they started seven subs, they're going to be more rested, and now they're just going to be really mad about losing. So I feel like that's going to work well for switchbacks there. Um, I don't know. I, granted, I also have a complete. Uh, uh, vendetta against picking draws. This is a match that I would have picked draw, but I just have a complete vendetta against it because I don't want to be wrong with picking a draw. I would just feel dumb about it. So, um, which then I feel dumb about picking the wrong thing anyway. Next up, we have Indy versus the Miami FC. Uh, I picked Indy. I think that there's there's enough talent on that pitch to do something with, um, and I've not been super happy with Miami recently so I went with Indy yeah this is a like subtly a really important game for the playoff race I went draw here uh Joaquin Rivas is a big deal for Miami to be adding he looked really sharp on his debut even though they kind of got smacked by LA I don't like Indy's defense at the moment but I think things kind of cancel out for the draw I'm going with Miami here uh sorry the Miami um which is now owned by the Ohio State, so I don't know what we're going to do about that. Um, I I did it just because of Rivas. I think that he is going to be a major factor 
And it's hard for me to disassociate the result that just happened against San Diego. That was such a poor performance by Andy. I just, I just don't know how they can recover from necessarily that so quickly. Next up, we have Area Code FC versus Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, I think at this point, I'm going to just pick Tampa Bay until they prove to me that they're not going to beat teams by like 14 goals. Yeah, kind of same deal for me. Like, really buying what Tampa's selling at this point. I kind of tended to pick against Memphis for no good reason, but that is influencing me subconsciously. But yeah, Tampa. I'm going Tampa here, and it's partially just because I'm going to wait until I see Memphis beat a top team before I pick them against a top team. If they can come out against Tampa Bay and win, maybe I'll back them against like a loose city or someone like that. But until they do it, I'm going to back a team that's been there, done that. So I'm going with the Rowdies. Hey, Memphis uh, beat Detroit, aren't they a top team? My DMs cannot handle that, Alan. Can you please not? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have Legion versus Loose City. Um. Sorry, Kaler. I'm going loose, loose city. Yeah, I mean, I went draw here. I'm, again, really buying what Birmingham's selling right now. They're playing excellently. The way they're subtly changing these tactics around every single week to address what their opposition brings to the table is fantastic. Uh, Louisville, a little bit bit by the injury bug right now, too. So, I... I'm really torn on this one because I think this is the match that's destined to be a draw. But again, I'm not willing to pick a draw. So I went with loose city. Um, I, I think Legion's defense is going to be good enough to hold them to one goal. I don't see them scoring more than one. The question is, is Legion going to be able to bag one or two? I don't know. And just judging by, we've been more anemic with scoring than we, we've been more anemic than we haven't been. I'm more inclined to say that Legion does not score, so a, like a one no win to Loose City. But, yeah, this one does feel like it would be a draw, but I'm going with uh, Loose City. Uh, I hope this motivates Bur- the boys. And Birmingham sleeps, sneakily is, you know, top five in away games point per game right now. So Birmingham, a pretty decent away team against a really strong home team, should be a really fun Eastern matchup. We are, it's apparently supposed to rain as well, which we are fueled by the rain. We love rain. And also, that probably means that less loose city fans will be there. Not just because I'm not saying like they're bad fans, but I mean, no fans show up when it's raining. I mean, you get a significant drop off. So, um, maybe that bodes well for Legion. I don't know. Maybe they perform well in front of more hyped up away fans. I don't know. Uh, next up, we have Las Vegas Lights versus Detroit City FC back-to-back baseball games. Uh, I went with Vegas as long as uh, Cal Jennings and Danny Trejo start. It seems like those guys get two or one each. Uh, they're like sneakily good and like can make teams feel very uncomfortable. Uh, so I went with Vegas. Yeah, Detroit has this way about them with the ball where they push their ring backs up, they'll launch their central defenders into attack a little bit. That's the expressly wrong way to approach this Vegas team that is so good on the counter 
and get past you quickly with a Trejo, with that movement of Jennings. I picked Las Vegas to get the win. Um, I need to check because I didn't feel good about this one. I picked Detroit City here, and I don't feel great about it just because I don't know if Danny Trejo and Cal Jennings will be there. If if Cal Jennings and Danny Trejo are you know in Los Angeles, then I think this will be a fairly comfortable win for Detroit City. If they are in Las Vegas, then I think that this is a lights victory. I'm for some reason I'm banking on them not being there, and I don't know why I'm doing that. So I picked Detroit City. I I really don't know. I also think that Detroit City is a good team anyway, and I. I don't know if peer even pressure. one of them are gone. I don't know. Giving into the peer pressure. That's what you're doing. You didn't have to say it, man. <laughs> um, next up, we have Phoenix versus Orange County, which this is a intense battle in the table, but not in a way that we thought <laughs> it's a free season. Yeah, I, I went with Phoenix here. Um, you know, Orange County is playing midweek against San Diego. Um, Orange County has struggled in Phoenix in the past, even, you know, pretty strong, um, pretty strong Orange County sides have gone in there and just gotten decimated in, in the Arizona heat. Um, I, I think Phoenix, like, as as bad of a run as they've been on, they're still scoring some goals. Uh, and if they can, you know, score a couple goals, I think they can make this uh, enough of a game that they can pull something out. Um, and so I think at some point Phoenix has to to stop the skid. Um, and what better way against, you know, kind of a, a classic old school Western Conference rival in Orange County? Yeah, I actually did like what Phoenix did tactically in that Las Vegas game. I thought they adjusted well. I'm scared that Shantz has lost the locker room, but at the same time, I don't believe in this Orange County team at all, and I think Phoenix is talented enough to get the win. Yeah, I picked Phoenix here for basically the same reason. I just I, I don't feel good about what Orange County is doing this year. I I don't get it. I I don't know. I... I, I just don't get it this year. Uh, it looks like the Wi-Fi is going. We'll see. Um, next up, we are moving into League One, so may the odds be ever in your favor. We are starting mm-hmm. off with Tucson, a team who is not great at winning, versus Richmond, who is not good at winning away from home. So, Yeah, I felt this was like a trap game for the Pick'em. I'm like, oh, this is the neat. No, Kaler, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went with kickers only because Tucson is not not great. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I believe in any team in League One, it's probably Richmond. And if you reverse that, Tucson is awful. So I went with Richmond. I went with Tucson because League One. And I, I really... If, Richmond away from home worries me, and Tucson has recently gotten a result or two, which doesn't make me believe in them, but it makes me less worried about them, which I don't know what that does for you, but I... Taylor, you're worried about Richmond on the road. Have you looked at Tucson's home record? 
have you watched League One? <laughs> I have. I have. The, the game last game I watched for uh, Madison looked phenomenal. I, I don't know. I, this one just felt like, I feel like two. I feel like Richmond should win this, which is the exact reason I picked Tucson. Whatever my gut <laughs> instinct, I'm just kind of going whatever opposite with League One yeah. right now. Two Tucson's winning this like five one, aren't they? And then we get to see Richmond drop an odd G's, and that it's going to be it's going to be complete. Um, next uh, up, we have Northern Colorado versus the Sab Boys of Chattanooga. Um, I think I originally put Noco, but I I, I put Draw because I I just couldn't pick one or the other. Yeah, Chattanooga coming off a weird loss to Tucson, who I just dragged. So I kind of feel like they're going to rebound here. Northern Colorado just hasn't quite impressed me, even though they've gotten a handful of decent results. So thinking Red Wolves. This is where I'm going to once again flex my horrible geography knowledge. But I'm assuming Northern Colorado is in the mountains and much higher than Chattanooga. So I feel like maybe that gives a different kind of home advantage than they maybe that you're used to seeing in League One. And so I picked Northern Colorado and also because uh, Chattanooga has been on a bit of a skid after high flying at the very beginning you know saying uh you know fly too close to the sun and you know some wolves just cannot handle being that close to the sun on the mountain so how would you describe mountains high elevation <laughs> i don't okay. look then yes it's high elevation but northern colorado is like there's a lot of cows there like parts of colorado are very much like like flat and farm-like, uh, and Greeley is not too far the away. The eastern chunk of that state, especially, yes. is basically yes. just like Nebraska. Yeah, and Northern okay. Colorado is not too far away. Like my wife went to University of Northern Colorado for a year studying jazz. Um, uh, she was a saxophonist, and she went to Greeley uh, for North Colorado, and she was like North University of Northern. Don't they Colorado. have mountains in their crest? Am I it, completely? It, it, it's like it's right there. Like the Rocky Mountains are like right there. Okay. But like still, there's like west of the Rockies. It's still pretty. It's still pretty flat. Like Denver is a pretty flat city. Like great okay. Bike riding. Uh, but yes, the elevation is very much there. So if you are like like me, who get altitude sickness going from San Diego to Colorado, it's it's a, it's it's a lot. But it's also okay. like not super mountainous everywhere in Colorado. It's not like they're playing in like Vail or something. Okay. So I don't feel as dumb as I did early just a second ago. So that's great. <laughs> um, last up, we once again have a battle of the teams in Espanol, uh, Fuego versus Tormenta. Oh, um, this is what I kind of went back and forth on. Uh, I'm not super convinced with Fuego all of the time. Um, I almost went with them because they're home, and that seemed to work out all right. Uh, but for some reason, I went with Tormenta, and I don't remember why. Yeah, really tough loss last time out for Tormenta. 
if we're being honest, I've gone on this streak where I tend to pick them pretty much every time and they don't really do it for me when that happens. So I went with a draw here. I mean, fair enough. I went with Fuego because they are at home. Tormenta has been on a skid. Um, I'm a little bit afraid of Bolt, to be honest. Um, if you thought I was afraid of Detroit City fans, I am really afraid of Bolt. Um, he feels like a closer threat, to be honest. Um, but unfortunately, his team does not seem to be right now. And so I think Fuego do come out with a victory. I mean, I have seen fire and I've seen rain. So, but Have you ever set fire to the rain? No, but I want to set fire to the rain. I mm. just happened yet. Nah, got you. Understandable. All right. I think that's the show. I think that's it. Do you let's go ahead? Uh, hit some. Do you guys? Well, do you guys have any USL thoughts? Cool. All right. And so let's go ahead. Us uh, to say goodbye to everybody. John, what's some final thoughts for the folks? Yeah, um, I feel like I should get back on the plugging random TV things train. Miss Marvel kind of rocks. I've been down on a lot of these MCU shows. Like, they sort of just end up samey, kind of boring. Miss Marvel feels so tonally unique. I mean, it's really a cool visual show in addition to the great, really relatable storylines. So check that out if you're into it. Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you to the uh, supporters groups and players who have been participating in either playing for Pride or their local Pride Raisers. Uh, I see a lot of that going through the timeline. Uh, and so thank you uh, for those groups that are participating in that. Uh, early this morning was the anniversary of the Stonewall Raid uh, that started the Stonewall Riots, which started the Gay Liberation Movement. Uh, so. Uh, June 28th, early mornings of June 28th is kind of the start of what eventually became Pride. Uh, and so I encourage you to, if you haven't participated in your, this year's Pride Raiser, uh, it's not too late to donate. Uh, and if you uh, want to learn more about Pride and what started Pride, uh, just Google the Stonewall Inn. On top of that, almost every city that houses a USL team do have local pride organizations so you can go get involved um for people in birmingham there's several places uh map and um the magic city pride i think as well the go go check that out i don't know about other cities but i'm sure they're there um i think i've been plugging classical music i think that's been the train that i've been on um i'm kind of torn i so I'm going to give two. I'm going to say we're going to go with the third movement of Mahler 1. That I'm a big fan of that one. And we're going to go with the first movement of Mahler 3. I was on a big Mahler kick as I was driving up to Cincinnati today. So those are the two that stuck out to me. So listen to those. The beginning of Mauler 3 is longer, but I, it's an absolute heater, and it, it just it's a very epic feel. So if you want something to, like, I don't know, motivate yourself, that's a good background soundtrack to put on. So, yeah, I think those are my, my pieces for the day. There you go. 
Yeah. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for sticking around. Thank you guys for all the support on socials and all the things we've been doing. We do have away days coming out. Um, we are going out to Louisville. Uh, so that one's going to be a lot of fun. And I do believe that we have an away days coming from Charleston in the next couple of weeks. So that one's going to be a ton of fun. Check those out. And if you haven't told a friend, we usually don't ask for people to like share this around, but Hey, share the brand a little bit, share the podcast. We're real close to 3000 followers on the old Twitter machine. So, you know, share that around, get these, uh, get the views going. And Hey, if you have anything that you want to see from the show, hear from the show, add some additions to the show, whatever about the show, let us know. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching, having the chat pop in a day. And for the last time tonight, Q Allen's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL show. This and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network. Find podcasts and other written work at BGN.FM. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.